0: Welcome back to episode three of sustainably influenced this season we are talking about how tech is helping to facilitate a more sustainable future and this episode is all about one of my favorite topics the circular economy today we're exploring the intersection of circular economy and blockchain technology as I said, and we'll be learning a lot more about whether blockchain is facilitating the tracking, recycling and repurposing of products, reducing waste and prolonging the life cycle of materials. So today we've got three really interesting and quite fabulous guests with me to talk all about one of my favourite topics. So Rachel Khan and Ken Alston from Real Circularity and Chandra Prakashja, a sustainability consultant. And together we're going through and exploring the circular economy and its dynamic relationship with blockchain tech. The circular economy is a concept that has been around for centuries, let's not act like it's something new, yet its relevance has never been more significant. To understand this historical perspective, let's take a look back at the Industrial Revolution, which began in textiles. Back then, the focus was on mass production, consumption and disposal. Unfortunately, not much has changed since then in the conversation over the past hundred years. Fast forward to today and indeed there has been a shift which has sparked sort of discussions around the concept of ownership in the sharing economy. Should we own everything we use or is renting a more sustainable option? There are a lot more initiatives and we've seen the rise of things like the Library of Things where people can borrow items that they need for a short time reducing the need for excessive ownership over buying something that they're going to then chuck in their junk drawer or into their shed and just leave it there to gather dust The circular economy, to me, is all about experimentation, though. And there's no one-size-fits-all solution. It's all about finding creative ways to reduce waste and maximise resource use. But to make this vision a reality, we really need efficient systems for tracking and managing products, which is where blockchain kind of enters the chat. One of the critical aspects of circularity is managing both post-consumer and pre-consumer waste. So sorting sites and recycling facilities play a really vital role in this process. But blockchain takes it a step further with things like RFID chips and tags and providing each product with a unique identity that can be tracked throughout its life cycle. The term life cycle is actually queried by Ken in the guest portion and he makes a really valid point about it. I've often said that we talk about items as if they have a life and that they are alive they don't like it's an item it's a motionless unanimated thing and so to say life cycle is almost trying to add an element of humanity to it so make sure that you listen right until the end because Ken drops a few truth bombs on us (laughs) during the guest portion of this episode the beauty of blockchain is that it's unchanging and it's secure you can't falter it in that sense that once the information and data has been plugged in into that chain it cannot be changed whatsoever as we've mentioned in a couple of previous episodes blockchain is a ledger where your data is safe and it's not prone to manipulation but who puts that data in and how do we ensure it's accurate so how do we sort of eliminate human error in this in data input In essence, blockchain is creating a really seamless and secure ecosystem for the circular economy where products are tracked, recycled and repurposed more efficiently. It's transforming traditional linear economies into sustainable circular systems. Now, we've got two, well, three guests on this episode, so I'm going to stop talking here. But I really want to introduce our guests because... They've got serious, like a serious set of CVs and experience behind all of them. So let's first introduce Rachel and Ken from Real Circularity. So just to put it in perspective for you, Real Circularity is a collaboration of minds bringing together the best of Ken's work in sustainable circularity and applying Rachel's work in the pragmatic, holistic, regenerative space inside the domain of fashion. Their forthcoming book with the same title is a really quick read for busy professionals, CEOs and students to get started with their work on the whole system's implementation. So a little bit more about Ken. Ken Alston is recognized as the trusted authority on the sustainable business growth. His business career has spanned over four decades, including 20 years working in the global multinational fast moving consumer goods company, where he pioneered the development of corporate sustainability goals, actions and reporting from the earliest days of corporate sustainability. Active in President Clinton's Council on Sustainable Development and the World Business Council on Sustainable Development. He was an early contributor to Business Sustainability Thoughts and Actions. As Director of Sustainable Product Innovation Worldwide, he was one of the first people to include the word sustainable in his executive business title. And I can't lie, Ken's just a bit of a legend in the game, really. So it was a real honor to chat to him. Rachel Kahn is an ecosystem architect. She's an award-winning founder of the ecosystem incubator Circular Earth and Real Circularity. She's passionate about applying circularity and collaboration to transform the fashion industry. She's the author of Try It On Real Circularity alongside Ken Alston and is a sought after lecturer, speaker and consultant in the areas of sustainability, technology and living systems. So I wanted to talk about the circular economy and it sort of envisions a world where waste is minimized and resources are continually reused. How do you see innovations such as like blockchain technology and other innovations fundamentally changing the way products are tracked, recycled, repurposed, and therefore contributing to a more sustainable and circular economy?
1: Well, I think it all starts with design and your design intentions. So you have to have the intention that you want to do something that's better than what went before. And whatever technology you might want to employ You've got to have that desire to do something that's different and better, that is more sustainable, more circular, however you want to define that. So I think it starts with the intentionality. You can be in business. You can do whatever it is you do, whatever you make, whatever you sell, whatever you market, with whatever technology you have. But if you're just doing it unsustainably, then that's what you're doing, and you're not contributing to the betterment of life for everybody and all all species on the planet. So you've got to start with this as your design intention, and then you can decide what it is you're making, what technologies you're employing after that.
2: I agree. It's the intentions that you put upon anything that you're doing, whether you're making a product, a business, a system, AI, right? It's the intention that you put upon it that is most important, right? You can put the intention of creating the same way that we've created for many, many thousands of years. But actually, could we put new intentions that includes ecology and that includes the social aspects that we need to balance in order to move towards a regenerative society?
0: And I think it's really nice that intention is such a simple thing when you think about it. I think one of the biggest challenges with the circular economy is ensuring the authenticity and quality of recycled materials. I've come across it myself and I think a lot of people have this misconception that if it's refurbished or recycled, that it may not be of that higher quality. How can Tech Innovation's kind of transparent nature help to build trust among stakeholders and consumers, ensuring that recycled products meet the required standards?
1: Well, I think the first thing that we have to do is to be honest with what we're saying about our products and our brands. You know, there's the now well-known word of greenwashing, right, where people are saying things that ostensibly are better, but in reality, they're not telling the whole story. And they're claiming something that isn't really either substantiated or may not even be very substantiable in its contribution to making things better. And so I think, first of all, you have to do something significant. And then you've got to be able to track it and authenticate it and the sort of things you were alluding to, But the first thing is you've got to do something significant and you've got to report it in context. I think if you just throw some claim out, you can say whatever you like. I mean, whether you say it's recyclable, biodegradable or any claim you want to make, you've got to go into more detail and really explain what it is. Something can be recyclable in principle, but never collected and never reutilized and never complete a cycle. So just the very nature of the claim has to be correctly specified first. And then once you've done that, then you can say, okay, now how am I going to show that it is a factual claim, that it's authentic? And that's where technologies can come in to track where things come from, where things go to. But again, your intention, your statement has to be on point first.
2: Yeah. And the context is a really important piece, how that fits in to the whole system. We work on looking at zooming right out and looking at the whole system and then zooming right into that nucleus to find out all of the everything that's in everything that's in everything, which tech can actually help with, because it can aid that sort of streamlining, the processes, the collection of that data. We would hope that all of the data is 100% correct. At the moment, I don't know whether that's the the truth, really, the real elephant in the room, right? So, So as much as we have fancy things... Is it going to be uh, 100% accurate, even with something like blockchain as well? But that also needs to be in context with what those things, though that nucleus, is interacting with on the other layers. Circular
0: systems often require collaboration amongst a variety of different factors, including manufacturers, recyclers, consumers even. How does blockchain, I guess facilitate data sharing and then that coordination of that data sharing and enable a more seamless flow of information through the product lifecycle?
1: So what Rachel's describing is a unique, safe space where businesses that are actually in competition with each other can come together and share information that's valuable to all of them. And this is a very unique thing. I did it in the packaging industry and in a not-for-profit and created a safe space where people could cooperate and compete at the same time, which is very difficult to get. Imagine trying to get Coca-Cola and Pepsi Cola in the same room to talk about sustainable packaging. Right? There obviously well no, it did happen and it does happen. And this is the magic that has to go on between how businesses can learn this new word that got formed—it's uh, it, probably a little passé now, but the co-opetition. You're both competing and cooperating at the same time. You're finding areas where you need fundamentally to collaborate, but you're also in business of competing. And you can have those two things operating at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive, but you have to create this safe space where then that tech can then be implemented in a way that it's fulfilling the objective that you're trying to achieve. So the tech on its own is cool and you know up-to-date and wonderful, but it has to operate within an ecosystem. As Rachel said, she's literally created an ecosystem in which people can come together in companies and breathe, you know, and oh, okay, we can talk to each other about this, even though we're out in the marketplace competing against each other fiercely. But inside Rachel's safe space in the fashion industry, you've got competitors who are actually saying, okay, well, we can both do this. And when we both come together, we're more likely to be able to impact an industry because now you've got scale and scope and size on your side.
0: Moving on to the next area of discussion, blockchain-enabled circularity has the potential to transform supply chains. And that's something that I'm talking about quite a lot over the course of this season. I've also seen a change and this is just coming out from different brands that I've worked with, I'm seeing a change in their business models as well as a result of blockchain and other innovations. Could you share specific examples of industries or companies that have successfully integrated blockchain or other innovations and in tech to create a closed loop system, which then extends the life of products and reduces waste?
1: I don't know, many, and I think this is part of the problem. You know, I see this in different domains. You have People who understand their own domain, let's say you're in the tech industry and you understand blockchain and you say, this is such a fabulous thing for tracking and tracing and authenticity and all of these things, but you've no clue at all about what circularity is or sustainability is. And you need to bring people onto your teams that understand this element so that you can marry the two together. I see this even in marketing. You know, I talk to marketing groups and a company has done something that is actually good that's more sustainable, that's more circular, then they throw it over to their advertising and marketing people who haven't a clue about what sustainability and circularity are, and that's when they come up with all this greenwashing. right? And so you really need people on your teams from the outset that understand what the application is going to go into. Now, I have seen in the built environment where there's been more talk about sustainability and circularity for a longer time period, where people are talking about buildings as material banks, that when you build a building, it's not just a building, it's made up of things. And you can imagine having a passport, as it were, a material passport. This is this material that went into the foundation. This is this material that went into the wall. This is a material that went into the ceiling. And so you build up a picture of what that building is With all the materials having a passport, which has all of the fundamental data that can include all the environmental and sustainability and circularity information you might need. And then that can be then put into a blockchain type environment where all of that data is verified and held and is not going to be modified or or tinkered with in any way. But you've got to bring the two domains together. There's no point in just having a technology for technology's sake. It has to then be married with the domain experts in which you're trying to put it in. So in Rachel's case in fashion, you need someone like Rachel to say, now that I've got this technology, how does it integrate with all of this stuff that happens in fashion? You know, Rachel and I are in the middle of creating a a sustainability and circularity game in the fashion industry. So you'll be able to play the game of being a, a designer and try to, all this thinking into practice and so you've got to get into the domain in which you're applying the technology and so you need an expert like i've had to have an expert like rachel to work with me and together we're one and one plus three right rachel knows more about fashion than i'll ever know and i probably at this at least at this point in my career i know more than rachel though she's rapidly accelerating into the outer orbits But you need to bring experts in, in both fields. That's my basic point.
2: Love it, Ken. I think going back to your point on the blockchain from that sort of built environment, I think that the waste streams then, or the new value streams, as I'd rather call them, then are kind of they're noted down in that blockchain. So, you know, like, say, if you're dealing with seatbelts, like one of my collaborators has done for many years, they're taking seatbelts from refuge yards and turning them into bags, but they have no clue what that fabrication is from its original source. But if that had a passport, if that had a blockchain attached to it, then they'd be able to say, oh, that's what's in those seatbelts. So that's what's going to happen at the end of their use of their bags. And they have much more of an opportunity then to be able to go into another use cycle. It is incredible.
0: And I think I'm seeing so many more fashion brands, especially utilising what is around them, whatever they've got. in, and, and especially it comes down to your geographic location, whatever's dumped in your area or in your country and you look to make use out of it to I've seen a couple of the seatbelt ones but it's just it's amazing when I see what people are using. I think there's some things like bottle top bags.
1: Very inventive and I think it, it's wonderful that their intention is to get a reuse from something that would otherwise be thrown away. It would either be buried or burnt in an incinerator or a landfill. But you're using something for a purpose for which it was never intended. Right? We started this whole conversation on intentions. Your intentions should be used any old any old rubbish and put it against your skin just because you can. If you don't know what it is, you may be doing yourself a lot more harm than you think, whether you've got a blockchain on it or not.
0: That's And do you know what? I'm going to stop you there only because I think that's a really good point to move us on to the next question. I have this thing with tech innovations when they're brought into the sustainability space where almost all we think of these really cool, wonderful things to use. And it's actually not that relevant. So I'm just just sitting there sometimes I have to be like, "Mm, okay. But as blockchain sort of evolves, so do our concerns about energy consumption, scalability, all the kind of the bad stuff to do with the climate crisis sort of rears its ugly head again. How can we address these challenges to ensure that blockchain-enabled Circular systems, specifically, remain environmentally sustainable, which is what their core is, and capable of handling that volume of transactions required for that large-scale implementation?
1: I would say, you know, you have to look at it, you would any product. So whether it's a car tire or it's a t-shirt or whether it's a server that's running some tech, it's a product that's been made to have a particular functionality. Where is the circularity In a server, where is the sustainability in a server? Forget that it's running a blockchain algorithm and it's applying to something or other. Just look at the pure tech itself. That server is going to have a useful time when it will operate. And then something will go wrong, you know, with today's high quality electronics. That can last quite a long time. It could be 10 years, could be more. But at the end of that time period, something is going to go wrong. And what are you going to do? Throw that server away. Was it ever designed in such a way that it could fulfill its function to run the blockchain or whatever it's doing in a magnificent way? And then when something goes wrong, why is it not made so I can just pop out that component that went wrong and pop in a new one and give it another 15 years of useful time? It's not designed that way. It's designed as a one-trip, one-way, linear process. Please you know, last a certain amount of time and then go buy another one because you need another one or you've now got more customers, you need more servers. It's just more, 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 more in a linear flow. So why don't we also go back to all the suppliers of all the electronics that's running all the great blockchain ideas that are coming up that we want to incorporate, but also apply the same sustainability and circularity principles to the tech itself? And why is that tech also still running on non-renewable energy. So you've got to apply everything to everything. So utilise the technology to make sustainability and circularity work, fantastic, but also apply it to yourself.
2: And I think um, the other point as well is like, we work on this whole systems mentality where we're not just looking at that product, we're looking at how that product is reacting with, as you said, quite rightly, energy, which is what most people focus on. Well, is that product interacting with water? How is that product interacting socially with our world? How is that interacting in its locality, the biosphere that it's in, the bioregion that it's in? Having that bigger whole systems perspective on this thing, that it's far more than just thinking in, in, like Ken was saying, a linear process just for that one part. It's how everything interacts together, bringing in a much more holistic way Of looking at these things and that's where tech can help as well you know if again we program it with its intentions of this more holistic journey wouldn't it help you to build this new society
0: what you've both said has really led me very nicely into my last question ken you were talking about a linear model and i think that that's something that we're all sort of thinking how we need to change business models and coming away from that linear create use discard kind of mindset to think about what comes after that initial first life cycle of any product and how we can then extend that and I think that transition from that linear to a circular economy requires a real shift in mindset and behavior whether that's on a manufacturer level or a consumer level, how do you see blockchain technology not only driving the technical aspects of circularity, but also playing a role in raising that awareness that you spoke about when we're thinking about social aspects, educating their consumers and inspiring a broader sort of cultural change towards more sustainable consumption and production practices?
1: Well, I think one of the new business models that we have to try and bring in, and and a lot of what we're talking about, Rich and I, is experimentation right now, right? We're going from a period where, since the beginnings of the Industrial Revolution, which ironically started in textiles, right? And here we are also talking about textiles a couple hundred years later. We've had this linear model where we take things, we make things, we sell and market them, we use them, and then we throw them away. We bury or burn them and we come back and we buy another pair of socks or whatever it might be. We've got to look at other models other than ownership. There might be some things like, okay, I'm going to own my pair of socks because nobody else is probably going to want it after I've worn them for a period of time. But for other things like, for example, the servers or the tech that's behind the blockchain, why does the company have to own that electronics? Why can't they just rent it and not own it and the company that actually made it in the first place retains ownership of all the components and all of the high-tech wizardry and the metals and all the stuff that's in, in in all of the electronics and because they own it they get it back so when it fails it goes back to the person who the company that made it then they have the problem about how to dispose of it right now if you buy a server or you buy something You know, like we do even just in simplistically with the laptops we're using to talk to each other today or the cell phones. We now own that. I don't want to own all the molecules of a phone. or I just want the service of it. So why can't I just have the service? And then I'm going to give my phone back to Apple or to Samsung or my computer back to Dell or whoever it might be. And you've got to deal with it because you made it. You made all the components. You put all the tech in it. If you did it in such a way that it can't be reused, then shame on you. It's your problem now, not mine. So why can't we apply that thinking to the servers and all of the other things that are going behind the, the tech? I love the tech. I'm a techie. Rachel and I geek out on stuff all the time. But I want to do it in a different way where I don't own the molecules. And now you've given me the problem of what to do with it afterwards. So I think that's one of the more circular business models that we can think of is changing the way the transaction goes on. And another one I might just quickly mention is is sharing. There are so many things we've bought as either individuals or as businesses that we're not utilizing fully. Imagine that you might might have a 3D printer, let's say. You're not using it 24-7, 365. Why should somebody, you know, three blocks down the road have to go and buy themselves a 3D printer if they want to print something when there's one just around the corner? that isn't being used all the time. If that was available to be shared, then you, okay, I'll run my program at night when you're asleep and you're not using it. And then I've not doubled the amount of things that have to be made with all of the negative environmental impact that come with it, right? So how can we even utilize what we've got already more effectively by sharing? And that, that's a whole other model we could spend another several days talking about
2: well i think it can create new value right so that this waste as we're sort of seeing it now becomes a value piece becomes something that we mine as a community that we reutilize utilize within the businesses that keep the ownership of it all good but that that becomes a, a value piece for a community so a community buys a 3d printer or community buys Uh, you know, a ride on lawnmower. We don't all need to do that, you know, and we can then start to have a a different flow of money attached to those principles. So I think that the blockchain is kind of an enabler to help find where these things are, showcase, and then help others find them.
0: I think it's a much bigger conversation, as you both so rightly said, that it needs to go from initial conception to design and that intention that you spoke of so beautifully and so eloquently at the beginning to the manufacturer and then it's that end of life what happens with the product after we need to be thinking about that (laughs) more and more because I still don't think it's really that spoken about we think oh well the ownership and the onus is on the consumer at the end it should really go back to the manufacturer and that's my sort of belief on it but there are more companies talking about it. Implementation, a little bit harder, I think.
1: It is, I've been doing this for over 30 years. Um, The awareness has grown immensely. The practice is still growing and needs to grow faster, but it is moving. There is a shift happening, there's no doubt. I mean, everybody's used to Uber, everybody's used to Airbnb. These are like archetypal examples now of sharing, right? So it's not surprising that people start saying, well, I can do that with something else. I'd just end with one thing is start to change your language. Most things that you, you're talking about are not alive. They don't have a life cycle. A butterfly has a life cycle. We have this nasty habit of all of us defaulting to this thing that products have a life cycle. When they're dead, they're not alive. So let's talk, let's change our language and help the language change promote the change we want to see in the products. Because when we speak differently, we act differently. And so we should talk about use cycle. So um, how long is my iPhone going to last Right? It needs to be used for a certain length of time and then reused. And another word to think about is consumption. I'm not consuming my cell phone. I'm not consuming my laptop. I'm using them, right? So the lexicon that everybody's got used to using, like consumption and consumers, is um, an inaccurate linguistic way of talking about things. So let's also change our language. And by changing our language, we can also change our behavior.
0: I think that was a mic drop moment. We're all on a journey towards a greener future, making conscious choices about the products we buy. Have you ever wondered about the origins of the jewellery you wear? Well, wonder no more. Ernest Jones, Britain's favourite high street jeweller, is launching an exclusive new collection called Origin by Ernest Jones. This dazzling collection features 28 diamond rings from classic solitaires to contemporary halo designs. But what sets it apart is the transparency it offers. Every diamond in the collection is fully traceable responsibly sourced and handcrafted in recycled platinum or gold. How do they do it? With cutting-edge blockchain technology, you can now trace your diamond's unique journey from the depths of the earth to your finger. The blockchain records every step, including design, sourcing, cutting and assessing, giving you a digital passport for your diamond. Ernest Jones is a proud member of the World Diamond Council and the Responsible Jewellery Council. They've partnered with trusted suppliers to ensure their diamonds are conflict-free, responsibly sourced, and come from ethical mines that prioritise the well-being of miners and the environment. And guess what? Ernest Jones is the first UK retailer to bring this fully traceable blockchain-powered collection to their high street stores. So join us in leading the way to a more sustainable future with Origin by Ernest Jones. Let's make a difference, one diamond at a time. Shop the collection now, in-store or online at ernestjones.co.uk. I loved chatting to Rachel and Ken. It was nice to get my fashion hat back on for a little while. I know there's a lot of listeners that are still craving some fashion content. Don't worry, it is coming. There's a lot of fashion dotted throughout this season. So as much as we're talking about technology, you're still getting your fashion fix. Now let's chat to my next guest, Chandra prakash Jha. is a fashion designer turned sustainable fashion activist, social entrepreneur and vocal in using advanced technology in fashion to achieve real-time sustainability. Let's talk to Chandra. So Chandra, it's really nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I just want to get into the first question, really. So technological advances have been really pivotal in reshaping industries toward a more circular economy. And that's what this whole entire episode is about. Could you elaborate on specific technologies or innovations that are effectively enabling the reuse, remanufacturing and recycling of products, contributing to a more sustainable circular approach?
3: First of all, thanks a lot for inviting me. So very important subject these days and also for future of our earth, like how do we use technology to safeguard future of our earth and fashion the need technology. So there are multiple technologies. Unfortunately, there's not a single technology that I would say is perfect. So there are multiple technologies. There are, there are different blockchain-based uh, digital product password. That can be used in finding the real origin, and you know, the finding the exact supply chain, and also like pre-consumer, post-consumer, you know, when we do recycling or upcycling. So these product passport, like you know, have also kind of chip inside where this can help them in sorting department, like you know, where for example, one jacket has wool as top fabric, and then lining is something different. Polyester, so special chip can always identify composition and how things are made. So there are multiple technologies, but I would always say whenever circularity is spoken, I always say, "Hey, start from the beginning. Never mix two different kind of text fabric. Like never mix polyester with cotton or cotton with polyamide or something. Is actually doubling up your resources when we segregate uh, during recycling. So we start from the designing section." Like you don't match a mix two different kind of textile. What also like multiple special Japanese are quite cool in this. So if they use lining over their jacket, woolen, they are detachable. So you can actually you know yourself you can detach and you polyester goes into other recycling and uh, natural fibers goes into other. So technology and also consumer behavior and also how we design are very important. Then only technology can help.
0: That's really interesting, actually, because I think so much onus is put on the manufacturers and how things are now being produced. So these digital product passports are really going to help. But I think from my own point of view is that I don't want them to be the sole focus. I think from a supply chain kind of perspective and the supply chain management from like product design to technology plays such a crucial role in optimising the circularity of materials and resources so I kind of want to talk a little bit more about data. So how are the data analytics like AI and IoT contributing to smarter decision-making, better resource utilization, and overall enhanced efficiency in circular business models? Because, as I said, when I look at where we're going, I think everybody's focusing so much on one solution. So how is data helping that further?
3: Well, a very good question. So where AI and AML can really help data is at sorting section, where, you know, for recycling, post-consumer, pre-consumer, when we talk about circularity, imagine like millions of tons of textile has been collected at collection center and the human being looking at that, that should be finished. So IOTs are now used. There are some pilot projects going on. Actually, we are also part of that. One of the projects we are using our IOT with multiple sensors, which will actually sort out. Cotton will go in at one, silk one, linen at one. So they will sort out among millions. So we'll make cotton at one center. So their IoT and machine learning can be used. And of course, data is a big thing. And, but again, I said, these things should be started from the beginning, from the time where we are stitching or designing like this kind of NFC or this data enables. There are already RFID threads, for example, that they are used in during stitching. That can be a big help as well in the future. So the use of AI or AML can only be done when they have a pro- proper data from the beginning of if the garment is produced. So there are multiple technologies like there are RFID threads or NFC chips. They are washable. What we are using, we are providing to fashion companies the washable NFC and uh, RFID uh, chips, which can be integrated. During sorting, there are IoT use, which actually for millions of tons of garment, they segregate you know, natural fibers from synthetic fibers, and then they can be recycled, upcycled. So here I see big potential of technology in reaching real-time circularity.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I think we can have that real-time circularity and we can facilitate that through data. And I think it's about how they use the data more specifically. Moving on to our third question. So blockchain is often cited as a game changer. But I think we also have to look at it quite logically and see that there isn't just one solution, as you said in the beginning. So it's often cited as this game changer for transparency and traceability. How does blockchain technology contribute to the circular economy by ensuring accountability, authenticity, transparency, transactions within recycling and reusing processes? And what Impact does this have on the consumer trust? Because I think people hear the word blockchain and it's going to become almost a bit how people have heard sustainability and they didn't quite know what it meant in the beginning. But then because you hear it enough, you think you know what it is. So how does that impact that consumer trust?
3: Well, I come to the first line what you said blockchain is often cited as a game changer for transparency and traceability. So I'm a bit critical on this line because blockchain is technology. It's a data center. It's just a ledger where your data is safe. Nobody can manipulate. The question is, who is adding? Who is putting data in it? So there were already cases of some greenwashing where blockchain was used. You know, there was some issue of origin of the garment. So they said origin of cotton, was some country in North Africa, is written on blockchain. But then, you know, one of the NGO they did some, you know, traceability thing and they found the origin was in East China where as per uh, European, uh, you know, modern slavery law, uh, imports are banned. So the data given on blockchain was wrong or fake or lie. Blockchain need additional technology where data entered is also true. So that's why there comes uh, my startup where origin of the, of the, garment of or, or fashion is human interference free so here we use space we use satellites we use iot we use drones to and we combine that with dna genome of cotton or of silk or linen so that they cannot fake and then all these data we call it triangular auditing comes in, enters into blockchain so there's not a human beings are not involved in data entry so that makes blockchain a real game changer. Alone, blockchain cannot. Also, one has to understand how blockchain is used. Blockchain, you know, data entry or this smart contract, they need a lot of electricity. They need a lot of energy. So you have to be careful which blockchain platform you use. So speak to the provider, blockchain provider. Hey, what are your criteria? I mean, how how sustainable you are? I mean, they are, I wouldn't name any of the companies, but they are multiple startup blockchain startup they are actually quite good they might consume 10% of the blockchain what other competitors are doing so there are multiple factors when you are selecting blockchain so blockchain plus human interference free data entry can be a game changer
0: brilliant um just as an aside question i guess in having removing humans from this is there an element to be said that we would eventually lose the need for humans in that manufacturing process? Or is it just in the blockchain process?
3: So blockchain is a ledger where it's kind of Excel sheet, you know, where you're adding data. If you misspell your name, then actually you can go back and delete and, you know, in blockchain, you cannot do that. You have to change at multiple level. So manipulation, once data is entered, you cannot uh, manipulate. So, biggest problem of transparency in fashion industry supply chain is actually not so honest people in between in supply chain. You saw about Rana Plaza and all. So, on the paper production was happening somewhere else in Dhaka, but the really it it was like third or second subcontractors they were doing that. So, same blockchain is again same here. I mean, who is giving data here? So, if somehow we use AI or human data entries, uh, we can prohibit. I think that will be much more better and transparent.
0: Definitely. And moving on to our last question then. So I want to talk about circular economy strategies. So these strategies often rely on collaborative efforts amongst various stakeholders, and that could mean businesses, governments, and the consumer. How are these more digital-focused platforms, communication tools and I guess, online marketplaces fostering these collaborations and encouraging that sort of seamless flow of information, materials and products in circular systems.
3: Right. So it comes to strategies, what people, they really have to understand what exactly circularity mean to them. For many of them, circularity means selling secondhand, post-consumer, pre-consumer, you know, that is circular. And for me, that is half-baked circular economy. In case of cotton, circularity starts from farming stage so if you know about south asia cotton fields are after post harvest cotton fields are burned you know the stubble are burned and that is one of the major reason of air pollution in south asia that is completely unknown the people they don't know or they don't want to know that so so that's why when we talk about circularity start from seed phase till post-consumer or pre-consumer sales or after sales or redo or redesign or completely making new fiber out of old textile. But here again, there are multiple, multi-stakeholders. Agreement has to be there. Everybody's going uh, towards a real-time circularity. So brands and fashion companies, from the beginning, they should have their own circularity goals. Hey, we need this. We have to achieve this. To achieve this, we need to check Who are the people involved in that? And to have a communication with them, they might need multiple technology platform. As I said, I don't know any single platform which can do everything. So you might need multiple platform, multiple startups, multiple stakeholders. Again, here, government, you know, legislations are also very, you know, influential here. Consumers are very influential. I mean, consumer behavior, they're changing. They want more and more sustainable things. So multiple thing, and then as I said, like circular economy from brands to brands are very different. Like some brands from beginning, they talk about second hand, you know. So the first hand, they have also get NFTs involved with the sales where they can actually sell second hand. So I mean, from beginning, they have to make a strategy, and including and in, in the it should be inclusive. They have to speak to everyone. I mean, they cannot sit in design studio and plan about circularity they have to speak to uh, their t1 to t5 everyone to include the hey at at your label what kind of wastage happening you know stitching label there are some wastage weaving stage There are some wastage how to include them till the time we don't include everyone in supply chain a real-time circularity cannot be achieved so i suggest always to use multiple technologies include everyone in supply chain
0: As we wrap up today's episode, remember that there's no single perfect answer to achieving a circular economy. And I know that we focus mainly on fashion in this space, but circular economy spans across every industry, as does blockchain and as does technology in every sort of capacity. It's about sort of embracing experimentation, as I said in the beginning. Creativity and technology all work together to reduce waste and extend the usage cycle of products and creating that more sustainable world. Let's talk about next week. So next week's um, episode is all about sustainable finance and whether technology is actually helping to facilitate better finance solutions. So stay tuned for that. Until next week, make sure that you subscribe and listen back to previous episodes of Sustainably Influenced on all good podcast platforms. You can follow at Sustainably Influenced on Instagram and TikTok and our newly launched platform. I'm Bianca Foley. Thank you for listening. This season of Sustainably Influenced was produced by Content is Queen, sound editor Amber Miller, and presented by Bianca Foley.